That's good. It's good to see you this morning. It's a joy to be able to worship with you. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, continue on in this beautiful letter that we've been walking through throughout the entire year. And as Pastor Mike kind of led us into a time of prayer, our, our hope, our prayer this morning is that God would use the time in His Word to grow our understanding of faith, but not just our understanding of faith, to grow our faith. That we would be people of faith that we see kind of pictured in the examples that are here in, in chapter 11. So we've been talking about how Jesus is the better hope. That because of Jesus, we have access to God. That there's no way on our own, in our own ability, our own merit, that we can stand before God, that we can become part of God's family, that we can enter into his presence, that we can experience the joy of belonging to him. But because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for your sins and my sin, because his body that was offered for you and for me, there's now a new, a living way for us to be in God's family. And so because Jesus is our better access, we've looked at over the last several weeks, we draw near, we pursue, we, we lean in, we come after, we abide in Jesus Christ. We hold fast our confession, this confidence that we have in the gospel. We don't waver from it, we grab hold of it and lean into it. And we consider, we think about, we observe how to stir one another up, how to encourage one another to love, to good deeds. And that increases all the more until the day when Jesus comes again. And last week we looked at kind of the end of chapter 10 that is this warning passage of what unfaith is. And so we are called to live by faith and we talked about how faith changes the way we live, that to be a follower of Christ by faith means that we are growing, we are changing. And there's this warning that if there is no growth, there is no change, there is this continual pursuit of sin, there is a, uh, a dis, uh, dishonoring of Jesus Christ, and in that, a denial of Him. We're called to flee that, to run from that, and to persevere by faith, which leads us this morning to our text. And so we're going to start in chapter 10, uh, verse 36. Just invite you to read along as well. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For, and he quotes from Habakkuk, yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, verse 1 of chapter 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, 
and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for both the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. And so as we're tracking through this passage, if you underline, highlight in your Bible, you're going to see the word faith a lot. You're going to see this phrase, by faith, again and again and again. And what the author's really doing, starting at the beginning of this chapter and going through, and we'll look at this in the weeks forward, is he's giving example after example after example of what faith is. What does faith look like tangibly in your life, in my life, and in the life of God's people, the life of the church? And so it's less kind of best practices, like go do this and go do that, but instead a picture of what faith does in the life of God's people. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation about faith with uh, one of my sons, Camden. Cam's nine, he's in fourth grade. Uh, and he's just kind of thinking through things. And one of the things I love about Camden is he, he thinks about things, even as a nine-year-old, pretty deeply. Uh, and he was asking about faith. You know, what does it mean for mom and dad to have faith in Jesus? And so he was asking this question, kind of explaining, we're talking through that with him. Uh, and then he asked this question. He's like, so what if you and mom hadn't been born like a part of a Christian family? What if you didn't have believing parents? What if you didn't grow up going to church? Would you still have faith in Jesus? That's a good question, right? That's an insightful question. He's getting at is is faith and and our belief in Jesus personally, is that a byproduct of our family? Is that a byproduct of our cultural setting? Is that really dependent upon where you're born and where you live? If we've been born in a Muslim context, would I still have faith in Jesus? Would I still be a Christian? Where does faith start? What is faith? Why is it important? Why is it necessary? Those are good questions for us to wrestle through. And I think this passage this morning speaks to these questions. It gives us an understanding of what faith looks like for you and for me. Which leads to our big truth this morning, uh, which is this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. This is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, verbatim from the ESV. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so you might kind of read that definition and read that verse and say, well, that's a whole lot of help. That's very, very clear, right? Uh, The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What does that mean? What does that look like? It's a good question. It's what we're going to dive into this morning. So let's kind of break down some of the key components of of this verse. First is the word assurance. The assurance of things hoped for. The word assurance can be translated different ways. It means substance. It also means confidence. So it is the substance or the confidence of things that are hoped for. There is a trust 
a picture of an objective reality, substance, and a picture of a subjective reality, which is confidence. There is an action that is happening there. But not only is faith assurance, it is also conviction, which means evidence, certainty, or, or proof. So faith is a confident trust, but faith is also a conviction based on evidence of things. What things? Things hoped for, meaning promised, but not yet fully realized. And things not seen, meaning they are real and yet invisible at the same time. Which makes faith a little complicated, right? It's not simple. It's something that is hoped for. A strong trust in what is not yet realized. A conviction where evidence grounded in things that we cannot see. This is what faith is. And it is by faith, verse 2, the people of old received their commendation. Meaning their, their witness. It was borne out in their lives that their lives were uh, full of faith. By it, the people of God or people of old received their commendation. Meaning that faith is the means by which we are given standing before God. So again, you might be kind of listening to that this morning saying, okay, you've told me a lot, but I don't really know what to do with that. And that's okay. That's, that's kind of the goal. We're uh, getting into these definitions together. So before we jump into some key questions like where does faith start? Where does it begin? What is it? Let's give some definition to it. Why does it matter? I think it's important for me to say uh, and just acknowledge I'm not an expert on faith. Like, I'm growing in this too. And part of the goal for us as a church family is to grow, not just in our understanding of these things, but together grow in the way in which we live and pursue these things. I want you, brother, sister, Christ, part of this church family, to grow in faith. I want faith to be something that defines your life, my lives, our lives together. Because Jesus is worthy. So three really important questions this morning that I hope we can kind of tackle as we walk through this passage. First, where does faith begin? Where does it come from? Where does it originate? How do we get faith? Second really important question is, what is faith? What is it really? How do we put some definition, some handles around it? And then third, why does faith even matter? Why is it important? Why is he talking about it? Why should we care about whether or not we have faith in Jesus this morning? So first question, where does faith come from? First big idea is this. Faith begins with God, not us. That's really important. Faith begins, it originates, it starts with God, not with you, not with me. That's good news, by the way. Amen? If faith is dependent upon you or upon me to start, we are in big trouble. But if faith begins with God, then that is good news for you and for me this morning. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 11, it says that faith is the confidence or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or conviction of things not seen. What does that mean? It means this, faith is not based upon something you or I create. 
If we could create it, if we could initiate it, it would be something that we see. It's not something that we'd have to hope in. It would be something that's visible, tangible to us. But it doesn't start with us. It doesn't begin with us. Faith is not something we facilitate on our own, in our own effort. Faith is not something we generate or create. In fact, it's not even something we maintain. So if you walk out of here this morning and the takeaway is this, I need to become more full of faith. I need to grow my faith. Like you're missing it this morning. The work of faith in your life and my life is a work of God. It starts with him. It continues in him. It's sustained by him. It grows through him. Now, do we have a part in faith? Yes, we do, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But it's important for us to understand from the get-go that faith begins with God. I think one of the reasons why we see people walk away from the faith is because the faith they're walking away from is one that they made. It's one by their own invention. It's one by their own feelings. It's not one that's initiated by God. Faith is God's work in us and our response to that work in us. It begins with him. It is cultivated in him. And then we respond to that work by his grace. So let me say it a different way. If my faith is based on my ability to maintain it, it's a bankrupt faith. If my faith is based upon my ability to maintain it, to perfect it, to complete it, friends, that is a bankrupt faith because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fall short. I'm going to lose heart. I'm going to become discouraged. I'm going to doubt. Anybody in this room ever doubt? So if my faith is based on my ability to maintain my faith, I'm in trouble. If my faith is based on my feelings... It's a bankrupt faith. I said this last week. Like, you know, our feelings, they are deceitful. They go back and forth. They're all over the place. And so if it's based on what we feel, it's a bankrupt faith. If our faith is based on our circumstances, it will be a bankrupt faith. Because one day things are going really good. I said this last week. UT Vols are winning. Next weekend, we're not really sure, right? If our faith is based on our circumstances, whether the stock market is going well, whether things at home are going well, or job... Things are going to go south and our faith in those moments will be unearthed. So our faith is not based on our ability to create it or maintain it. It's not based on a moment in our past that we remember or fond of. Faith begins with God. It continues by God. And this is good news this morning. For some of you, maybe the response this morning is pausing for a second. Is God, would you please create faith in me? God, would you create faith in me? Would you bring faith to life in me? Maybe you've kind of grown up in a Christian subculture where faith from your perspective has always been something that you will into action or you bring these feelings about or you you do your very best to believe and trust and walk. And No, faith doesn't start there. Faith is a response to God doing that work in us. So let me go back to my conversation with Camden. So Camden asked that question. Dad, would you be a Christian? Would you have faith if you hadn't been born in a Christian family? If 
you've been born somewhere else, but you hadn't grown up in church, would you still believe in Jesus? Here's the answer. I wasn't born somewhere else. I wasn't born in a different family. I wasn't born in a place where I didn't hear the gospel. I was, and that wasn't by accident. It's God's kindness, his mercy, his grace in that moment putting the things in my life, allowing me to walk through places where I would experience and see and hear and respond to faith. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose whether or not I got to go to church. But in God's grace and his kindness, not because of anything I've done, but in his mercy to me, God did that. Faith begins with God. I didn't stumble my way into faith. God in his kindness did that work in me. If you're a believer this morning, you know that's true. That there wasn't anything that you did to create faith inside of you, but God in his kindness pursued you. Let you hear the good news. Respond to it. Rejoice in that this morning. Take comfort in that this morning. Let me give you a couple of examples from Scripture. Titus chapter 3, 3 through 6 talks about our story. We talked about this at Equip on Wednesday night. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's a happy story, right? But that's your story. That's my story. This is our testimony. But... When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. We did not save ourselves. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen? This is God's work. Let me give you another passage of Scripture that speaks to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not of your own doing. Could it be any more clear? What is it? A gift of God. It is a gift of God. It is not by your own doing. Faith is a gift of God. He is the one who begins faith in us. And I love the story in Mark chapter 9 of this dad who brings his son who's possessed by a demon to Jesus. And he asks Jesus to cast out this demon. And he says, if it is possible, would you heal my son? And what does Jesus say? All things are possible if you believe. And how did the man respond? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He is recognizing that while he trusts in Jesus, he needs Jesus' help. He needs Jesus' help to have faith. That's a great prayer for us this morning. Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Would you help my doubt? I trust you because of what you've done, what you've initiated, and what you've started. Would you help me to trust you? Faith begins with God, not us. Which leads to a second question this morning, okay? Well, faith begins with God. What is faith? What is it? 
let's put some definition around it. We kind of gave this definition last week. We'll come back to it now and we'll build on it in the weeks ahead. Second big idea. Faith is confident trust in Jesus. Faith is confident trust in Jesus. The word assurance that we read earlier is the word confidence. It is a confident trust in Jesus. It is the opposite of unfaith, which we looked at last night, which is a denial of Jesus by the way that we live and the way that we believe. There's several things that the author says about this conviction, this confidence, this trust in Jesus. And all these are in your notes. So I'm going to move through them really quickly. You can grab the notes online if you want them. First conviction of faith that we see the author tell us is this. Faith's conviction is that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. Verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is anchored in this belief that God is trustworthy. That's important for us this morning. And maybe you're here and you're wrestling. You're not sure whether you can trust Jesus or not. You're not sure about scripture. We're glad that you're here. Faith begins with this belief that God can be trusted. That he is trustworthy. And I think it's important for us to recognize and acknowledge that trust is normal for us. You might say, well, it's not normal for me. Like, I I have a hard time trusting people. Things have happened in my past that just make me uh, distrust. Like, okay, but you trust all the time. Every time you get on an airplane, you're walking by faith, right? Every time you get in a car and you let your son or daughter drive, you are walking by a level of trust and faith and confidence. Every time you ride an elevator, Every time you trust that the sun is going to rise in the morning. You don't think about whether or not your blood is going to make it through your blood vessels. Or whether oxygen is going to get into your lungs. You trust those things are going to happen. Like Trust is inherent to us. But what is not inherent to us is trust of God. That's not natural for us. Why? Because to trust God means we must distrust ourselves. To trust God means that his way is right, not our way is right. It is a distrust for self. To trust God means I must let go of the illusion that I have control of anything in my life. To trust God means that we have to come to him with no conditions. I think often when we talk about people who walk away from the faith, and maybe even this morning you're wrestling with that, often it's because we have conditions on our faith. God, I'll trust you if this happens. I'll trust you if you keep my marriage together. I'll trust you if you keep uh, sickness away from my family. I'll trust you if you don't allow this to come into my life. But once those things happen, once those conditions that we've made in our mind are breached, then we feel like we can't trust God anymore. Faith begins with trust in God that has no conditions on it. It is a belief that his character, who he is, is good. Which leads to a second conviction. Faith's conviction is that God is eternal and transcendent. He's the creator, he's the sustainer of all things. Look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So faith believes not only that God is trustworthy, but he created everything. He sustains everything. He holds it together. He is the author of all things that we see and we know and things that are unseen that we don't know. 
that he created out of nothing. He spoke and it was. Third, faith's conviction is that God has made himself known. Not only is God trustworthy, not only is God the creator of all things, but he has revealed himself to us. He's revealed himself through creation, the world that we see around us. He's revealed himself through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, the word of God is breathed out by him. Every word is inspired. Every word has come from him. He has revealed himself through his word. But third, he has revealed himself through his son. That Jesus is the better revelation. That's where the whole book of Hebrews begins. That he is the better word. He is the better revelation. He is the better rest. He is the better covenant. He is the better sacrifice. He is the better priest. He is the better hope. So fourth, faith's conviction is that Jesus is the better hope. He is the better hope. That's what the whole argument, the whole letter has been built on. That our faith, our confidence is a trust in Jesus. That's it. Everything hinges on him. When we get to chapter 12, the author of Hebrews will say it this way, that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of faith. It begins with him. It is made complete by him. He initiates our faith and he carries us to the end that faith is found in Jesus. This morning, your hope and my hope of salvation is not in anything we do, but in what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Faith begins with Jesus. It is confident trust in him. So that's one part of our definition. Let's give a second part. Third big idea is this. Faith is expressed through submission, devotion, and endurance. So faith is a confident trust in Jesus. It's in Him, not in what we do and what He has done. But simultaneously, genuine faith, saving faith, biblically, is expressed, it's marked, it's demonstrated by what? Submission, devotion, endurance. See, faith is not just a cognitive, mental belief in something. I believe in gravity. Now, faith, biblically, is belief coupled with action. Faith works. Our faith is not based on our works. Our faith is based on Jesus' work in our place. But we are saved to a faith that has action tied to it that does stuff, that lives itself out. See, faith is more than mental belief. It is revealed in our actions. When you read this passage, there's five times in these first seven verses of chapter 11 where it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. I think the author wants us to understand something. The Abel, the Enoch, the Noah... Their faith was proven through what? Their actions, the way they lived, through what they did. And that's why all of these examples are in the hall of faith that we are reading this week and we'll be reading in the weeks ahead. All the Old Testament examples are pictures of what faith, this is important, not perfection, okay? None of the people in the hall of faith are perfect people. We can go back, you can read their backstory, you see that. 
but they're pictures not of perfect people, but people who live by faith. And the question that you and I should be asking as we read through Hebrews 11 is this. Does my faith look like that? Does my faith look like Abel? Does my faith look like Enoch? Does my faith look like Noah? Does my faith look like Moses? Does my faith look like these men and women? Is this true of me? Is this true of you? And so over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these people. And we don't have time in the weeks ahead to go back and read through all their backstories. So just kind of a little plug, a little aside for a second. If if you want to know more about these people, if you've never read their stories before, we've started a podcast. It's just on our normal sermon podcast. We're taking each of these main people in the Hall of Faith and we're talking about their backstory and what we can learn from it. So it's just a resource to you. If you don't know a lot of these people, you can kind of listen through there. But faith is lived out in action through the way that we pursue Jesus. James says it this way, So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2, 17 and verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. He's saying if your faith doesn't have works tied to it, it is not genuine faith. That real faith is not just a trust in Jesus, it is a confident trust in Jesus that changes the way that we live. It changes our pursuits, it changes our action. And so in this passage, we saw, we read, I just want to highlight three actions of faith, three people of faith. The first one is Abel. And in Abel, we see submission is obedient trust in God. Submission is, submission is obedient trust in God you can look at verse 4 by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain though he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gift and through faith though he died he still speaks one example of faith an example of submission is Abel how so Abel trusted God by giving away his most valuable possessions the first fruit of his sheep. He didn't withhold anything from God. He gave his very best sacrifice and offering to God. See, faith and obedience, when we talk about submission, faith and obedience are two sides of the same coin. You can't grow in faith if you don't walk in obedience. And you can't walk in obedience unless you grow in faith, right? Faith leads to greater obedience. Greater obedience is dependent upon faith. These things go together. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. So this submission, this trusting God in glad-hearted joy is a part of what faith looks like. So practically, what does that mean? It means this. Faith lives with open hands. It is act of trust. God, you can have anything and everything in my life. My kids, their future, my job, my career, my friendships, what people think about me, it is yours. I give it to you. Faith lives with open hands. Abel didn't withhold anything from God. 
He didn't keep his best back. That's what Cain did. Cain gave an offering, but he didn't give of his best and his most valuable. He withheld from God. Friends, just really practically this morning, what are you tempted to hold back? What are you tempted to withhold from God? If this is the posture of open hands, what are you tempted to grab hold of and not let go? Faith lives like this. It is a trust in God that all of my life belongs to you and is at your disposal. Faith looks like submission. Abel is a picture of that. The second picture we see is a picture of devotion. Devotion is sacrificial pursuit of God. We see that in Enoch's life. There's not a lot we know about Enoch. You go back and read his story, there's not a whole lot there. He lived, he pursued God, he was commended because of it, and then God took him. He never died. And what we get from Enoch is this picture of a devoted pursuit of God. See, devotion is grace-fueled effort. See, the gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. It's opposed to earning. Me doing things so that I can earn God's approval. That's not the gospel. The gospel is in line with effort, though. It is a call to pursue. It is a call to work. It is a call to give up. It is a call to run after God because our confidence and trust is in Jesus Christ. So how do we see that in Enoch's life? This is important. Enoch lived 365 years. And he kept pursuing God. I don't know how long your life has been. I'm guessing 365 years outpaces you and outpaces me. 365 years of continual faithfulness to God. In an age and a culture where people did not trust God. That's what devotion looks like. It is this continual pursuit. Faithful pursuit is grounded also in this future hope, this orientation of what's to come. Enoch is a picture of that, that our hope is coming. He got to go be with God. He didn't experience death. Friends, one day Jesus is coming again. Our faith will be made sight. There's a future orientation to our faith that doesn't just look on the circumstances of today. It looks ahead to what is coming. We get to be with Jesus. That is the goal. Looking to Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. We look to the hope ahead. I think it's also just important to highlight that it's not by accident that Abel and Enoch are next to each other. Sometimes you walk by faith and you get murdered. Sometimes you walk by faith and you experience a miracle. Both are true in Scripture. I think for some of us, we've grown up with this thinking that if we walk by faith, we are going to experience all miracles and no pain. That's not Abel's story. That might be Enoch's. It's not Abel. So these two people are put next to each other to show us, hey, the outcome of our lives does not show whether or not God is faithful. God is faithful through whatever the outcomes of our lives are. So we see submission, we see devotion, but third, we see endurance in Noah. Endurance is a persevering confidence in God. 
in Noah, we see submission and devotion as well, but we see this endurance that God calls Noah to build an ark. He says destruction is coming on the planet. In order to save your household, build an ark. But guess what? Noah's never seen an ark. Noah's never seen a flood. And so what does he do? He trusts God for what is unseen. What his mind can't comprehend, what his eyes have not seen, what his hands have not felt, he trusts God by faith. And in a world around him that was full of wickedness, he remained righteous, trusting God. He received uh, reproach and physical and verbal assault from the world around him, but he remained faithful. It's what endurance looks like. Faith keeps going because it's motivated by this holy awe of God. It says, in reverent fear, he constructed the ark for the saving of his household, verse 7. What does that mean? It means this, faith is forged in opposition and hardship. Friends, faith is forged in opposition and hardship. If your faith breaks in opposition and hardship and difficulty and loss, it wasn't genuine faith. See, hardship, suffering, persecution is the crucible where faith is formed. That's why in James he says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you experience trials and sufferings of various kinds. Because the testing of your what? Faith produces steadfastness. See, it's through difficulty and hardship that our faith is formed. It is God's means to grow our hope in him. Faith is progressively distinctive. It stands out from the world around us. So what is faith? Faith is a confident trust in Jesus that is simultaneously expressed through growing submission, devotion, and endurance. It is a faith with action. So where does faith start? It begins with God. What is faith? It is a confident trust in Jesus. It's lived out in actions, not just in words, but in actions. Last question is this. Why does faith matter? Why does faith matter? Why why should we care? Last big idea this morning. Faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why does faith matter? Why are we talking about this? Why should we care? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look at verse 6 with me from chapter 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near, we've talked about drawing near, to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Friends, he doesn't say without faith it is difficult to please God or it's hard to please God. No, what does he say? It is is impossible. It is impossible for us to be made right in God's sight without faith. This is how we draw near, by faith. And one of the key words in this passage that we've really not talked about is the word commendation. Commendation, we see it in verse 2. It shows up four times in these seven verses. Commendation, what does commendation mean? It means to bear witness. It means testimony. It's the same root word that Jesus uses in Acts 1-8 when he says, you will be my witnesses. It's the same word. He's saying the way 
that your life is proven that you are my witness is by faith. Faith is the proof of our witness. The people of old were not justified by their works. That's not what Hebrews 11 is about. But Hebrews 11 demonstrates what works of faith look like. Faith proves our right standing with God. Abel, he was commended as righteous. Enoch, he was commended of having pleased God. Noah, by this, talking about faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. Verse 7. Our faith proves that we belong to Jesus. Friends, are you living by faith? Is faith alive in you this morning? One of my favorite pastors, John Owen, says it this way, it is faith alone which from the beginning of the world was the means and the way of obtaining acceptance with God. The means and the way. Hebrews 10, 38-39 that we read earlier, but my righteous one shall live by faith. But if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. Apostle Paul, Romans 1.17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here's the question for you and me this morning in closing. I'll invite the team up. They're going to lead us in worship. I don't want you to check out. Here's the question. Here's the response this morning. Are you living by faith? Are you living by faith? Is faith alive in you? We don't grow in faith by learning more about faith. We grow in faith by trusting in Jesus and walking in obedience to him. What does it mean? What does it look like to walk in obedience to Jesus? Out of trust, out of faith. It looks like drawing near holding fast, considering how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. These are are the means of grace through which we live by faith. We run to Jesus. We hold fast to this confession, this truth, this message of the gospel, God's word. And we take time and initiative to build up God's people, to pursue them, to help them, encourage them. These are ways in which our faith is seen, our faith is forged. Are you living by faith this morning? And secondly, have you ever experienced faith? Has faith encountered your heart? Have you been changed by faith this morning? I just wanna invite you to bow your head where you are. So we go into a time of response this morning. Every time we encounter God's word, whether it's in a setting like this or in a Bible study or discipleship or even in just your own reading, God's word demands a response from us. What is your next step? How do you need to respond? How do you need to repent? Turn from sin, trust in Jesus. 
how do you need to obey? Maybe there's a circumstance going on in your life. Maybe there's things you're wrestling with that you're struggling to trust God with. And this morning your cry needs to be, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe your response this morning is to rejoice. Faith begins with God, not you, that's good news. And you're just celebrate this morning that God is at work building your faith. You might be going through some difficult things, like I don't like that thing, but I know that thing is making me trust God more. So praise God for the storm. Rejoice in God's kindness that leads me to repentance. For some of us, our response is we need to share that there are people all around us who have not experienced saving faith. Would we not withhold the one thing that can rescue them? Make them righteous in God's sight. God, would you help us now? Would you forgive us? Would you give us strength? Would you grow our faith? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to invite you to stand and join us as we